Creating crime rates to fill the new prisons they build Over money and religion, there's more blood that spills The wounds of slaves and cotton fields that never heal What's the deal? A lot of cats who buy records are straight broke But my language universal, they be reciting my quotes While R&B singers hit bad notes We rock the boat of thought that my man Lewis Statements just provoke Caught up in conversations of our personal worth Brought up through endangered species status on the planet Earth Survival tactics means busting gaps to prove you hard Welcome back, everybody, to Jeff versus the World presents. The more you know, ah, we got a special guest this week or this month, excuse me, for the month of September. I have a voice in the podcast uh, world. I first heard this young young woman uh, on Baby Babe, her show, the Flavor of Love <laughs> recap show. <laughs> then I said, you know what. I got to get her on Bad Me the Bad or Bad Me the Good. Started that up. She's a part of the team with that. Now, she is doing things with uh, Brandon, and I believe it's called, you can correct me, uh, We Are Dragons? We, we was dragons. We was dragons, excuse me. The House <laughs> of Dragons recap show. And now, she is on YouTube with her, uh, would you say premiere or just preview show? I would say it's preview because it's like the premiere. I want the whole show to be ready. Okay. Well, preview. Now, this is a sketch. Did I get it right? Or should I say it one yes, more? Yes. Yes. That's it. We have Chanel here. Y'all have heard her voice plenty of times on this side of the area. But today, what we're going to do is just talk to her. Before we do anything, I'm going to start this show like I always do. How you doing mentally, spiritually, physically? How's everything going? Wow. What a question. Jeff, I, first of all, I'm trying to recall when. So you asked me, you said, Chanel, you're still podcasting on this day, this time. I said, yeah. And I was like, what what movie are we reviewing? What show? <laughs> you're like, we're talking about you. And I was like, when did Jeff ask me to come on and talk about me? I could not remember. Yeah, I still got the text. I, I remember. Go ahead. I still got the text. Okay, it was over text. Okay. Because yeah. I know I said, yeah, because I had it in my calendar. But the fact that I had no idea that we was talking about yeah. me um, is hilarious. But I, you know, I was. I'll answer your question, but I'll start by thanking you for creating this space and having me on, um, especially because, you know, um, man, I'm just going to call it a synchronicity and I'll, and I'll, that'll be the beginning of my long answer of how I'm doing. But what I, what I'm grateful for you for is a space that you create for other creators and other black creators. Um, and like the fact that you found my podcast, however, with, um, which I really appreciate and still mm-hmm. streaming anchor.fm slash, you know, creating, but um, the fact that you found it and then inviting me in, that was at a time when I was literally Jeff, I had like tried to find, it was when I was still living in Austin. So I reached out to different podcasters. I actually knew in real life and they was paying me dust. They was like, what do you want to talk about? I'm like, I could talk about anything. Like, cause I truly can. Right. Like I actually have the chops and they're like, mm, we do better when we have a topic. I'm like, girl, I'm giving you gold, you know? And I would try and like all these things didn't work out or people were like, Oh, I don't know. We'll reschedule you. And then 
you were like, hey, you want to come in? And I was like, wow, like I'm being recognized by a podcasting community and being invited into it. And I was really like, you know, this is that was what I had been asking for without realizing like it's right here. And then similarly, um, I've been really wanting to like share my story. I was I've been telling myself to sit down and record because yesterday was a, a anniversary for me and I didn't I didn't do it. And so the fact that you're giving me a chance to talk right now is like that's what I mean by like synchronicities, which is like when think when the universe lines stuff up for you, you gotta look for them. Yeah. So I'm grateful for this space and the timing. And how I'm doing right now is um is I have to I have a flip side answer for it because I can tell you how I'm doing, which is I'm okay. Like I've had some um stuff going on where I've been trying to practice speaking up for myself and um saying how I really feel about things and not trying to protect relationships or people's feelings and that's been really tough for me. But then the flip side of that is I'm been I've really been trying to practice manifestation and speaking in the positive and affirmative like for the future, but in the present. So while I'm going through that stuff, I'm also wonderful. I'm healed. I'm abundant. I'm blessed. I'm all those things at the same time. And I'm trying to make space for all of that when I, when I check in with myself. So that's like a, a thank you. And then a long answer to your question. I, I appreciate that. Um, it's very interesting. Cause when I heard your voice, it was just like, no, she, she's really good at this. Like that's what I was thinking. I said, well, let me listen to another episode. No, I'm not. She's really good at this. I said, well, let me um, reach out and see. And then, you know, I just reached out and, you know, that's how we got here right now. Yeah. And, you know. Thank I, you so much. Yeah. People it, do enjoy the show. I, that's why I tried to do like random plugs here and there because I'm like, oh, I think like I was just when I tell you, Jeff, I was just shooting the shit. OK, like I was having fun watching this bullshit. And by the end of it, by the end of the season, Flavor Flavor was making me mad because he was. He was not growing as a character, but um, yeah, like I had a lot of fun in the first, the first guest on my podcast is this woman, uh, Laura Marie, Laura Marie Shanghals, who she's built a whole podcasting platform um, and a Patreon community off of podcasting about Bravo shows. And like, I was like listening to her because I really love um, like the white Bravo space is really like, I, you know, I'm like a bystander in that space. And so she was recapping um, the white one. Mm -hmm. Uh, heart rock love and i was like shit let me hop in and do a black like let me go see what flame is talking about and right? she came on my show which was so supportive because um for the people who listen to her rock of love they may have you know been happy to come over on my side so all that to say um yeah like like podcasting is so interesting because it's such a it's so competitive in the sense that people can only listen for so many hours in a day. And right. then some people don't want to listen to new stuff. They only like, once you lock in with the voice, like I know for me, if I like your voice, I'm listening no matter what y'all talking about, you know, or if I'm obsessed with a certain thing, like a show, I want to listen to three different shows, talk, talk about the same show I just watched. So it's like, you're competing not just for quality, but for like, like people's mental space or what their or their taste in the moment. So whenever podcasters are supportive, that's special because we could easily be like, no, I just want to grow my community and that's that. But if you're thinking about this as like we're having fun doing shit we would have did with our friends on a couch anyway, you know, it's like it makes all the more sense that we that we share with each other. So I love your shows as well. You know, I just wanted to uh, hopefully you feel affirmed and what you provide, but I listen to your recaps and I disagree with some of the stuff Rashida is saying sometimes, but um, I'm with you and I I love what you guys put out there. That's, I'm glad you disagree because nine times (laughs) I'd say he is wrong. (laughs) 
Uh, and we got to get you on the Hood Classic side one time. See, I've been thinking about that, but I'm just trying to find the right movie. Like, okay, yeah. She can be on this. If you guys do anything, Nicolas Cage, put me on that. I've, uh, did you see the Nicolas Cage movie, the new one? Uh, which the massive way? No, I haven't watched it yet, but I did. Way to mass- yeah, I bought it, but I haven't watched it yet. So, oh, I loved it because the only thing I'm gonna say is that I know it's gonna sound crazy. Mm-hmm. There wasn't enough Nicolas Cage. <laughs> like, but you know, I understand like, what you're saying when you say that. Yeah, I get it. I'm like, give me more because I, I mean, I loved it, and then the Javier Bardem, or not Javier Bardem, but the hot, you know, the Narcos second season guy. Mm. I um, I enjoyed it. I saw it with my mom, and we laughed, and it was good. And so, like, I think he is so interesting as an actor because of his range. So he's good. I mean, obviously, I'll, I'll chat with y'all about anything, but um, I yeah, like I'm. My movie taste is funny because I, I realized it shifted so much. Like, I had to make a, a concerted effort to watch black movies growing up. Because my mom <laughs> used to watch, like, old, like, black and whites and, like, like mysteries. So I had to, like, we was not watching too much. Like, we, you know, we watched black shows, of course, right, like Martin right. and the classics. But she wasn't, like, putting in Love Jones and making me stuff. Like, I, it's just my mom's a little bit older. So I had to, like, go to explore that on my own. So my, my tastes are very, like, I grew up on, like, Rob Schneider and fucking. Oh, um, we, listen. Yeah. I, yeah. I, am a, I am a product of the black kid who was. Weird Science, Breakfast Club, John Hughes yeah. movies. And like, I will watch those. I will watch the black movies too, but I just had to watch everything else too. I just had yeah. to because I, you know, I knew it was more out there. While, you know, I'm mm-hmm. always representing my genre, my blackness, you know, Boys in the Hood, New Jack City, all that good of stuff. There's, a, there's other things out there that I like to see. And mm-hmm. funny that you brought up that Nicolas Cage thing because I don't but before me and Shahid ever started Hood Classics, we was just doing episodes. So we did a month of Nicolas Cage movies. We did. Oh, let me go back and watch. And <laughs> yeah, you that. you really have to go. It's like before Hood Classics even started, but it's still we still got a list. It. It's like we did uh, Gone in sixty seconds, uh, Con Air, uh, The Rock, and I'm not. I can't remember what the fourth movie was. But yeah, we didn't. But we said we we're gonna run it back another month. We just gonna do it another month. So mm-hmm. now that I you said, it. yeah, oh, absolutely. I think Nicholas Nicholas Cage is a fascinating actor because while his movies may not work sometimes, he never phones in the end as far, as far as a performer. He always gives you hundred percent. Yeah. Um, well, real quick about Gone in 60 Seconds, that like growing up, I remember that might have been one of the first movies where I watched it and I thought it was about one thing and it was about something else. And I was like, oh, movies can be about all kind of stuff. Like it was like, I just grew up watching action movies and like gangster movies mm-hmm. with my family. Right. And so it's like that sh- that movie just like took some twists and turns. And I don't mean like a M. Night Shyamalan type thing where like I knew that, but it was just like that realizing that and I think there's some movies like that now like um promising young woman or like movies where you just you go in like okay this is the world and then they shift the world on you but not in a way where it's bad writing right and I'm just like oh I love that so so that movie stands is like one of my, like one of my early favorites and or one of my early appreciated appreciators because and I don't mean to change it off Nick Cage but now I'm thinking about it my favorite movie growing up was old school <laughs> Old school. Oh, I love old school. I love that movie. But but why was I a thirteen year old black girl loving? I mean, because at at that time, Will we all love Will Ferrell. Like he was like in his zone. So it was like still. 
Yeah, still. Yeah, still now. I'll even I'll even sit up and let him act like act in a serious role and I'll be like, Okay, well good for you got this. Yeah, you it's not, do this. It's well. always <laughs> weird when I see comedians that like Adam Sandler, I'm kind of used to now. Although I'm mm-hmm. not, I'm not a fan of Uncut Gems. Sorry, who, who, oh, whoever God, he is. I couldn't finish it. He's just, he's, he's just screaming the whole movie. I'm just like, no, I can't do this. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, I think that when it comes to movies, I think sometimes as far as black people we kind of pigeonhole ourselves like what you doing watching yeah. that? Or what you watching no nah, man go ahead and watch it. it's a movie like if you can watch if you can watch in a marvel movie let's say you can watch iron man you can sit here and watch like we said gone in 60 seconds and the reason why i really enjoy going in 60 seconds is because it's really a is when you really look at the movie it's a movie about a brother's love that's it you yeah you still in cars you got all this stuff going on but it's, mm-hmm. about, it's about a brother you know Helping his brother. His little brother got some trouble. He there for him. So mm-hmm. I really enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I think the only, the like, I definitely agree with like shifting around, like crossing genres. And I think that any, you know, any black kid whose parents wanted them to like, what's the word? Um, whose parents put them into like a diverse socioeconomic space. Mm-hmm. They like, you were exposed to everything. So I feel like it's kind of like how when white, like uh, racist white people, not saying all white people, the racist ones, like they talk, they talk down on like people who speak Spanish and some English, but I'm like, bro, their brains are doing so much more than yours is. They're speaking two languages. Similarly, black kids who like are like black adults who has black kids struggle with assimilating. Like I understand both cultures. You can't tell me shit about white people. I don't understand. You know, like, that's not my culture though. So it's like, I feel like we, um, we had to take so much in and we're able to like see some from so many different perspectives because of having like diverse interests and having, um, being exposed to that, however it was. But I know for me, like for like my future kids, I would want them to see a range of things. However, I do recognize looking back how, the stuff I was watching, it being not all black, probably mm-hmm. influenced me, and I had to work my way out of that, like in, into like a appreciation for my own culture. And it, it wasn't like forever. Like I probably when I was twelve, thirteen, I started realizing that that was missing. But point just being like, you can't, you do want to expose your kids to stuff, but you also do want to root them in like, because some, because the movies back when I was growing up were like the. They, they were raunchy as shit <laughs> and it was just like yeah. white kids hooking up and I'm like hmm, this also isn't the answer but that doesn't mean if I you know I don't need to watch Roots every weekend either you know it's like this right playing <laughs> in the middle of it I am I am not a fan of uh let's just say those type movies coming out like every so often I'm just like another one mm-hmm. like okay I, yeah I've, I've seen there's so many of- stories to tell there's a um I saw a preview for I don't even know what the fuck they called it. It's a time travel show on NBC. And Quantum they had Leap. a huh? It ain't Quantum, Quantum Leap, yes. Yeah. And they have an Asian male lead. And I'm like, good for them. I hope people watch this, first of all, because it's an Asian lead. But secondly, like, okay, this is a story that's not about him being Asian and coming over on a boat. It's like, okay, this is a story he just happens to be Asian. And I'm like, that's that's kind of what we need. Like that's and I think that's the space we're getting into, but that's what we need is like compelling stories that just that aren't all about white people. And then that's how you kind of balance it out. But you know, so, you just always going to have pushback. I can see, I can, you yeah. know, I'm a, I'm a quantum leap fan. 
I because I watched the original. Oh, is this like based on the? Okay, cool. Yeah, it was it was original when um and the original ending is just oh good lord <laughs> heartbreaking. But anyway, I I'm just not sure that how white audiences is going to take. You know what I mean? Because it's always pushback. Like, yeah, it's pushback. Yeah. For, oh, there's always. But that's the thing. Like, it's, yes. However, I don't know. I need to see the updated statistics on their even their like watching and buying power because in a lot of spaces like marginalized people are leading the conversations in social media and podcasting and reviews and YouTubes. Like, I don't, you know, I think there's a balance, but it's not like, I definitely think we can get to a place where, okay, y'all are just one group. You know, what about this group? Like other groups have buying power and have watching power now, um, especially with streaming and stuff. So I know what you're saying. And I also think like that, but I recognize that we have to like deep, deep, like deprioritize the the random white hater who wouldn't have watched the show anyway. They, they wouldn't right. watch it with a white lead either, you know? Right. You absolutely are right. Um, but I'm going to circle yeah, this back sorry, to you. I, I got us all nah, yeah, we were just talking. <laughs> and that's what I, this was the show for, to people to get to know you a little bit more. But um, I guess the question I want to ask you is, why did you start podcasting? Like, just what made you say, mm-hmm. hey, I want to get behind the mic and have my voice out there so people can hear? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think prior to the last couple of years, I was overthinking everything. So my very first podcast was actually a secret podcast where <laughs> <laughs> it was me and a couple of friends that we didn't use our real names. And it was like this. It was soon after. Co- oh, actually. No, my first podcast was a radio show in college. Oh, okay. And it was it was pre podcasting. So Jeff, we we they told us like okay, the way to record it is to put record it on these CD like these blank CDs. So first of all, if you have young listeners, they're already out because they don't know what I'm. Yeah, CD right what? But, yeah, they were like blank because they think that's an A track. But okay, blank CDs, and I recorded a bunch of episodes. But the way that I am sometimes, I don't I don't check stuff. I just like I could literally have fixed it if I checked it sooner, but I just recorded them all and then later on went to listen to them and they're gone. So there's no recorded <laughs> proof of this show, but it was me, my line sister and our other friend. We all were from Detroit in some way or form, even though one of us had moved to Chicago. Right. And so we called it the Midwest Connection. And then over time, we had guests come in, like friends from New York or friends from Boston or whatever. And they were a friend from Ohio, another friend from Flint. And like we would just talk and then we would try to play Detroit music. And then if there was a guest, we would play their music. And it was just like a college radio show. And that was probably my intro. And technically, I was executive producer for that, even though it literally was just, hey, come in Wednesdays. I really loved that. And then joining a sorority kind of derailed activities, so I couldn't do it anymore. But... Mm -hmm. That was when I realized, like, I have, I want to talk. I want to engage with ideas. I think also, like, my major was in social sciences. I was a sociology and American studies major, which meant I just read stuff and regurgitated an opinion. You know, like that's all I did. Mm-hmm. Um, was not trying to do no science, no hard sciences. So it was like that was that made sense to me to just sit down and talk and talk shit and like um, throw out opinions. And I see now. I went to a women's college that wasn't very like. It was popping in a very academic way, meaning that, like, you know, it wasn't dudes on campus all the time. Like, it was very much about women and about community and about intellectualism. So it wasn't like I I think that had I gone to a state school or a bigger school, that might have really turned into something at the time. But I wasn't even thinking about it because I was just like trying not to 
get C's in all my classes. <laughs> like it was one of those things where I didn't really, you know, I think that um for the kids who weren't thinking so much about the degree or so much about the experience and just wanted to figure out how they could get on, they would have been smarter with it, stuck to that show, built a following and never stopped. And I messed around and stopped. And so mm-hmm. in hindsight, it was all these like attempts to do what I'm doing now. And I would stop myself. So anyway, that was the first show, Midwest Connection. I don't, the Twitter page is somewhere out there still. Um, and then my first podcast was the secret one, which I did put behind my Patreon wall. So if anyone is interested, um, where we start, why we started that was some, it was similar. It was like a new desire for me, but we made it quote unquote secret with, we had pseudonyms because we were, I guess we were worried about what we were saying affecting our careers. And when I think about like, that's the theme too, for me in terms of podcasting, because mm-hmm. I was doing that, not sharing it, not advertising it because of that same reason. And then why I talk, why I'm talking so much about that show is because some really interesting shit happened on that show. Like one episode, I recorded uh, a dude who just broke up with me. I showed up at his house with my computer <laughs> and I made him record a <laughs> Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I made him record a podcast about why we had just broke up. <laughs> Ma'am, no, no, absolutely no. Why would you even put him in that situation? That. Oh, it was a great episode. You should listen to it. He was like, well, you know, this is what you did. And I was like, well, what about, we just talked. And that was like, I was, it was a, it was a really good way for me to process, by the way. Like, um, cause I didn't talk, I, I was, it wasn't a setup. It wasn't like, blah, 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 why you do this? It was, I was genuinely interviewing this man. Like, okay, so tell him when this happened, what were you thinking? You know? And uh, I haven't listened to that in so long. I need to go back. But that was, yeah, I did that. I interviewed my mom and we talked about our relationship. Again, this is so long ago. I probably would be tripping if I went back and listened to how things have changed. But, um, now with the uh, ex and with your mother, was, was after it was over, was it, was it therapeutic? Did you feel like I got, you know, you got something from it? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Like nothing, it, it was only, it only, it only felt good. It felt good before, during, and after. Like, for him, even though I showed up at his house, it was like we were still in that phase of talking through things, trying to figure out what went wrong. So ah. it was like, yeah, yeah. I just, it just happened. And they went along. I think that to some extent, to know me is to expect something like that. I don't think. <laughs> I don't think it was that wild just because I, I don't know. It's you're anyway, a very, so, you're an easy person to talk to. So I can see where people are like, you. all right, okay. Yeah. I'll, you know, thank I'll you. talk. Yeah. Like I don't even, um, I, 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 if I go back and listen, I'll probably cringe, but I'll, I'll check it back out. And then at the, what was, what I thought was really interesting about my mom's episode, cause our relationship was starting. It was, she was starting to see me as an adult. We're in a mm. different place now, but, um, that was, what was interesting. And then at the end, she literally casually, told me about sexual harassment at one of her jobs and was just like la, la, la. I was like wait what like she dropped a bomb on me in the episode and we talked about that and I it's just like that shows the generational change like when you had um me too happening and there were older women who were like don't bring up the stuff that's not flat out rape it's going to distract with a message and the younger girls were like everything counts it's like that it was literally that kind of um that that uh, dynamic, and I thought that was so interesting. My mom just mentioned it. She's like, "Ha ha!" I'm like, "Mom, that's not okay." So, um, and then the last one. So there was one. There was a few episodes, but one episode. I also um, this is this is cringe for me. I recorded an episode 
after a big breakup. Like not that, that guy I was dating for a couple months, it was just like a what went wrong. Like after like my heartbreak of like, man, I thought we were married, blah, 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 recorded a solo episode. And it was therapeutic. But it also like, I think is like, I invite any physical or mental health specialist to go and diagnose because I was just like, I needed to talk out what happened. And I still to this day struggle with needing to be like, to be validated in what I did right and to like have people understand because I just felt like such a, I've also victimized by the whole process. So those, that's like a time capsule. And so I think the depth of those shows um, demonstrated that I was really processing things out loud, which I always have done. And I was not really even thinking about like a theme or marketability. I was just expressing. And then we also never marketed it. Like it just kind of sat there. So the fact that I got it edited and put it out and put something on it was important to me. And um, like I said, behind a, I'm, I don't know if it's still on the SoundCloud. I, I really, I think what I did was I pulled it off. So if anyone ever downloaded to their phone, it would be there. And then I put it behind Patreon because I do feel like it actually is very raw now. And like those things, they were so unedited. Um, but anyway, if someone wants to check out patreon.com slash Chanel creating and, you know, for $5, you can get all up in my business. And then I took a long break after that, Jeff. I didn't do anything because I was working in corporate and I kept thinking this is a distraction. Um, I was really scared that people would like, you know, like how they try to scare millennials, like, don't be drinking on Facebook. This is what they used to say in high school. Oh, don't, don't let anyone yeah. see you with a red cup. You won't get a job, right? Yeah. So I, I wouldn't, I kind of didn't integrate my creative piece with my work piece. And I think that ultimately that's why it didn't, it wasn't a long-term match for me being in that corporate space. Um, and the... What And I guess, like, I'm kind of going past your question, but what ultimately happened was, actually, I'll pause there, because I, I, it'll come up, I'll t- uh, to be continued, dot, dot, dot. But that's why I started okay. um, podcasting. It was just a very organic desire to talk things through. Hey, I think, uh, me, I just wanted to talk. You know what I mean? I just wanted to say something, but yeah. the, the initial thing was, well, I wanted to talk about movies, wrestling, and sports. And I can do all those mm-hmm. things that I really wanted to do. And I didn't, I, you know, I didn't really think it. After I just started doing it, it just became a thing of, okay, I'm doing this. And then it's just a thing. Like, I, I think I need it now. I need to get behind the microphone and talk. Because sometimes I just, yeah. it's my release. It's an outlet. Yeah, it's an outlet. It's you know, those, those hood classic episodes are great because that's what I get to come and chop it up with Shahid, no matter, you know, what it is, what movie we're doing. It's just good for my mental. It give me a break from work, from everything that's going on. Those three, two hours or whatever that we're recording is really good. But sometimes, you know, I do episodes by myself or I do this right now. Um, it's just good. It's just good to get that outlet. Now, when it comes to, um, now this is a sketch because this is a whole different ball game from podcasting right because i'm figuring you are wearing a lot of hats Mm -hmm. with this right so what's the process what is just this like what hats are you wearing while you're doing now this is Mm -hmm. a sketch yeah um great question because what to to answer your question up front before i ramble i Mm -hmm. in that show i wrote it i directed it and i guess because oh, uh, I don't really know exactly. Like, people keep saying what producers are, so I think I produced it. Um, and I'm also, like, uh, at this point, primary editor for it as well. But it's, like, um, 
man, that showed me. I'm stuck on my words because with being so close to it, it means so much to me. And I'm also so becoming super hypercritical of it as well because of that. Um, so kind of bridge between the previous story and how I got to there. So, um, I, oh, because I did another. So when I was still working, I did another podcast and it was um, that was a recap of Dovecraft Country, Lovecraft Country. It was called Dovecraft Country and we did video and I wasn't really worried about being on YouTube with my job. I was like, OK, whatever. Like I'm enjoying this and I have been doing more um, improv when I was living in Austin and working and I was doing all this stuff as a side thing. And I would I tried to do stand up once or twice and the thing about the stand-up guys is they'll t- they'll encourage you to get up there, but it seemed like they had like a hunger for it that I didn't feel at that time. So I did a show, um, it's up on my YouTube, the whole 10 minutes. And then I was like, all right, like I felt like I checked that off. Let's move on to other stuff. And then um, September 18th, 2020, I got laid off. So, and then that was the anniversary of yesterday. So when I got laid off, it was a whole different ball game Mm because I no longer had to worry about public persona. And then it was like, well, shit, if I really, if I really want to get a well-paying corporate tech job again, enough to go private on my accounts, that means my accounts can grow organically with my comedy. And I was literally like, I'd rather fuck around on Twitter than protect my professional brand. And I was like, you know, in some worlds, that sounds insane. In some worlds, it's like, yeah, that's the first step, right? right? And so it gave me a chance to reassess. And then at the same time, I had been in, um, it's so crazy how much momentum was building, Jeff. And like the spring of 2020, I was in a, I was in the, um, I had helped form uh, all black and Latin uh, women and non-binary uh, sketch troupe. And, no sketch improv troupe in Austin, and we were having shows. We were having fun. I was in a sketch show in Austin that was like I was in the cast that was going to second season. Everything was rolling. I was having a lot of fun. Then you know shit shut down. So right before shit shut down, I had written my first sketch with this black guy who was on the cast. Who um, if we ever talk, we don't. I don't want to get into it in this episode necessarily. But Austin mm-hmm. was not a great place for my soul in terms of the black community was like lacking for me. And that guy is an example of it. Cause when, when I tell you writing that sketch, I got responses from him. But when I like went to check on him during the pandemic, he like blocked me. <laughs> I was like, are you good? How are you doing? And he was like, not inter- Cause I think that all, a lot of those men I was encountering in Austin were like, if you showed them kindness, they were like, ew, do you want to date me? And you're like, wow, that is really sad oh, <laughs> that man. I can't like be nice to you without. So anyway, that's, that's a side yeah. thing, but I wrote, that's I wrote a sketch. wild, but go ahead. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, but you're, you're a happily married guy, but you remember like during the unhealed days, you might think a girl's being nice. She really is like trying to pursue you. Cause it doesn't seem like, it seems like things should be transactional, you know. And I think in a place like Austin, I mean, where in my twenties, early twenties, I probably would have thought that. But once I got like late twenties, thirties, now there's somebody being nice. Ain't nothing to it. Yeah, and I mean, so for me, you know, I grew up to be. I grew up going to white schools a lot of times, so I grew up to look for the black person and be like, "You good?" You know, um, very much that um, clip. <laughs> From the office when the new black dude turned to Stanley and Stanley <laughs> rolled his eyes. Very much that. Where he's like, my brother. He's like, get the fuck out of here. So um, 
Yes, I definitely was that girl. And so when there was a black cast member, I was like, bro, what's good? And he was like, huh? I was like, all right, fuck you then. So that was kind of the dynamic. But we wrote a sketch about Lizzo as a wrestling character. It was after she wore that like striped outfit, that like ripped up outfit to the Lakers game. And his take was that she looked like Rafiki, the wrestler. Oh God! So wait, is it Rafiki? It's Rakishi. I know you're talking about Rakishi. I knew I was wrong because Rafiki is from Lion King. I swear I almost said Rakishi, and I was like, I, I was going to say Rashiki. That was that's why I was wrong. Um, Rakishi, but you know the out, not look like him. I wouldn't. I wasn't making fun of her body, but that his outfit, his costume, was all ripped up in like like t- ripped up shirt, right? Mm, I got it. So so it was like Lizzo was wrestling, and I and and I I need to clarify this. Actually, it was not anti fat or body shaming anyway um and so anyway like that was not the point of the sketch but i want to clarify that because it might sound like we're making fun of her um the point was that i helped him write a sketch and i was like oh wait this is how this is what it is it's just the like and i realized all sketch writing is is a format and the reason why that's important in my story is that um when i was in the sketch show i didn't really get like really cool characters in my in my opinion I had, I had cool characters but i didn't get any really cool where i was like well i want to play her again um or him again or whatever again because i would just get written as like a mom or like the announcer character i didn't get to ever be the weird character and why that matters is because who was writing the sketches was these other these really nice and really trying to be inclusive but still like white people from austin so I started to realize, like, right before things shut down, like, oh, I might want to write something for myself if I really want to see myself play a certain character. And so that was significant because I realized, like, I thought everybody else knew something I didn't know when they were writing sketches. But they would just send down the computer, you know, typing something out, sending it in. It was not they weren't thinking as hard as I was. So from March 2020 to by the by the. But, you know, then getting laid off in September and then kind of spending that winter to think about what I wanted to do and recognizing that I was really burnt out, like really, really, really bad burned out. And then in the next year doing the Dovecraft Country podcast and then being like, oh, I have a hunger for this. And my friend was like, I'm doing this as a favor to you. I don't I'm not in the same place. And then um, I finally integrated my brand and found and like made myself Chanel creating, which was my way of like actively saying hey i'm a creator first not doing this as a hobby and not hiding this behind my career and so the show came was written during that time period of recognizing i had been writing it for years so i had like in some of the promo for the show i talked about or promo for crowdfunding i talked about how the show was born from you know incoherent premises in the notes app because i would just have been writing premises for years to myself just like what if character does this blank 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 wouldn't wouldn't finish it what if does this blank 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 and i had hundreds of them and so when i when things when um kobe got a little bit better and i could travel i went and gave myself like a sabbatical and i spent weeks in mexico um and it sounds more glamorous it was like very chill but it was wonderful i spent weeks in mexico like going through i wrote all my premises on a note card and I figured out which ones actually had legs and which ones were comp- it made no fucking sense at all. Mm-hmm. And then I wrote the show from there, you know. And so um, that show is my baby because what I, I didn't want to do a writer's room. I didn't want to do a bit because I was like, this is me telling myself you are a writer. You are funny. 
you can you understand comedy like this is a lot of it was for me and then when I got a cast involved when I did casting and people responded to the fucking casting call when I had actors showing up when I found a DP I was like holy shit like this is now a thing um and now I'm in a place where I need to you know I talked about how I'm doing I'm literally the show hasn't premiered yet because of me, because I'm dragging my feet on editing. I'm overthinking shit. I'm nervous. Kind of like kind of like with that CD, how I didn't test the CDs as we were recording and then found out there was nothing on it. I'm scared because I think I lost the audio to one of the sketches and I haven't looked at it yet. Like I need to just deal with it. Um, but that show is like I'm wearing that right now. I'm wearing the hats of like I'm either going to going to execute this show. Um, and like execute and get it done or execute like execution or not finish it. And I, and I'm going to get it done. It's not really an option uh, not to, yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. been one of those things where I've been like, fuck, like I got to get it going. And um, yeah, that's why like, it's just been life, you know, like having to think about paying bills again after being able to like put that off for a little bit, um, having to think about what my next moves are and like what a career looks like now that I feel recovered mentally from my past work experiences, but I'm still um, figuring out how to navigate in the world in this new space. I'm in my thirties now. I was not in my thirties before. So, you know, like, um, yeah, just, I'm, I'm, I talk about manifesting cause I'm really trying to figure out the future and make it beautiful and fitting for myself. But the show very much feels like a part of, if I can finish that for myself, that will like honor a lot of the shit unnecessary shit I put myself through in my 20s like I'm it really means a lot to me um and I'm also sometimes when I hear people watching it I'm like fuck are they laughing like are, do you know do people like it um but at, sorry I, I'm just talking and talking but the, no, the one other talking. thought I just had thank you but that one other thought <laughs> I just had was that um I also don't mind critique if people like I don't I would love to know what people think I mean obviously you know I don't want trolls but also a, a troll I'm not worried at all about a troll like we're good you know troll me all you want to that's still a comment on the page um so I am right now I'm just trying to maximize visibility because now that other people like I crowdfunded my community donated four four thousand almost forty five hundred dollars my parents gave me twenty five hundred they matched half like People have invested. And also, by the way, those people are not breathing down my neck. They just want, did that out of love. Like, and then my actors, um, who they did get paid modestly, but they did get paid. So they're good if they don't get <laughs> their credit. But they, um, now people have put in work and it's like, I actually realized I can't just do this casually. Like I need to build up, um, a fan base. Like now I actually am getting more invested in my own career because, you know, what you think I, you know, I'm thinking about the, I'm going to get it wrong, but what, like what Kanye says, what you think I rap for to push a fucking rap for? Like, I didn't do all this to just like go back to doing what I was doing before. Um, I did all this to kind of showcase myself and put it out there. I need to learn how to do that. Well, I will say this. I haven't watched the preview yet because... When I got it, I was at work, but I wanted to make sure I shared oh, all, sure. all my stuff. But thank you for sharing it. You did retweet it. Thank yeah. you. But prior to that, the stuff that I saw, there's absolutely a great charm to what you're doing. So I don't want you to not do it. I want you to finish it. I want you to accomplish it. You know, because there's a quite is there's, there's a charm to it. It's something like it's a quirkiness and a charm. It's more like yeah. that. It's more in like it's not. I don't want to say it's like Issa Rae, but it's kind of in that 
You know what I mean? In that realm where like oh, I get Oh, uh, she's my she's one of my mothers. Like that's oh, a okay. fact. You cannot Yeah, there's no there's no downplaying her impact on all of us as black women creators, I think. Like anybody who grew up feeling awkward, she's like <laughs> You know, she's our Khaleesi. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, shit. Like, she she took that and flipped it and then gained her confidence that kept her natural hair. Like, she's all of those things. So, yeah, like, that's a compliment for sure. But also, obviously, I wanted to feel like me. But the problem is, whenever you start talking about heterosexual dating in a black community, you're going to have some commonalities because <laughs> there's some commonalities between amongst niggas. So I do think there will be some stuff that's like, oh, this feels similar, but hopefully the t- and that's another reason why I wanted to like live and die by my own writing. Like the tone is what it is and it is what, like I have no problems with my tone because I know that what I was writing from, it, if you can't find the humor and the people I'm making fun of, then mm-hmm. it's literally about you. Okay. <laughs> and I truly mean that with my whole chest. Now let's say Let's say you this thing really get popping, right? And you know, you getting more buzz, you getting more publicity. Do you think you would continue to be the only writer, or do you think you expand with more writers? So I'm I'm very much ready, willing, able to like sell season two to a place <laughs> that can make it a bigger production. HBO. Um, I'm also huh? I said HBO Max. You know they HBO, You know what? They would not let me compete. I would have to. <laughs> No, they won't let me because they have one black lady sketch show. But and by the way, side note, I will I will bring it back to them in a second. But um, yeah, I'm happy to like share those ideas. I'm happy to come up with new stuff. Like mm-hmm. I think that um, now that I'm looking at the because when I string the the stuff I put together in the preview, it's four sketches and it's long because it's four sketches all together. And side note, like I will not. Um, I've been thinking about what size the I wanted the sketches to actually be shorter, but I'm thinking about what size I want the episodes to be, and they will never be 15 minutes. Like I'm not actually going to make them like 30 minutes, like a mad TV episode. It's going to be more like clip, but it's going to be like more like short, short in and out. But I also don't want to clip them up yet. Um, I do want to release them as episodes. That's logistical. You mean talk, but- you mean like. Uh, Mad TV, like bunches, a bunch of skits. Well, yeah, like so. Mad TV would be like sketch, 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 commercial, sketch, sketch, commercial, or SNL might have a musical guest in the mm-hmm. middle. I do want them to be episodes. Okay. I'm not trying to, re- yeah, I'm not trying to. Like, I you you've seen one of my standalone sketches. Those mm-hmm. were early for fundraising. I don't want to release standalone sketches until the season is out because I actually am trying to create a show with a thematic like stringing together. I'm not like that's why we didn't just get it. We did just get a camera recorded it, but like it's written and it and there's a theme to my season. So with that said, that's how I want to release it. But um, oh shit, I lost my. I, I was gonna bring it all back together. What were you asking me? We got time. <laughs> we got time. <laughs> all right. So like, what was it? <laughs> I, I, I honestly can't remember now because we were everywhere. Uh, I think it was. Uh, oh, what, what do I do with the show if it pops? Yeah, out? whatever. What yeah, because yeah. I'm thinking like, all right, this thing really hits. Will you still have that time to be the only writer? I mean, I, I, of course you can still oversee, but you know, you might have some other people that you have an eye, or you got to hear about somebody that can write or whatever. Well, uh, so I'll say this, and that was what I said I was going to circle back to. So actually, what happened was a friend who was really nice sent me the email when Black Lady Sketch Show was um, looking for writers for season three. 
And I put together three sketches and submitted, didn't get an interview. I think they probably already had most of the writer's room, like they're, you know, they Emmy winning, whatever. But I didn't, I didn't get called back. And I was like, well, I still fucking stand by these sketches. And those were the first two or three completed sketches of the show. So I literally was like, all right, even though I had to sign the release or whatever, like that's still my shit and it's still quality. So I held on to those and I built from there. And so um, that's why I say like, you know, HBO would never have a competing show. And also I was telling Rashani this because it's crazy. If you go to YouTube right now and type in Chanel creating, Mm -hmm. you'll get Chanel the brand. You'll get other bullshit. You will not find. You have to literally filter for channel, like the name of my channel, which I get it. I don't have as much. I need to add more. But if you put in now, this is a sketch. I swear to God, Jeff, Black Lady Sketch Show will show up. I'm I'm doing it. I'm doing it right now as we talking. Yeah, this. Let's see. And so I'm like that. And one end, it could excite me and motivate me. On another end, I'm like, this is some bullshit. Like, bringing my literal SEO up. Like, <laughs> people are literally typing in the name. Like, the punctuation should not have to be perfect for you to bring. You know? Because if I type in dragon, you're not sending me to Dragon Tales, nigga. You're sending me to <laughs> HBO House of the Dragon, Game of Thrones. Like, um, what? Did you did you look it up? What, what yeah, I got all this sketching stuff. Black sketching. <laughs> you have to scroll and you I won't even show up. You literally would have to type in dinner with Jay-Z. Now this is a sketch you know creating. And so that is fine because I'm I don't have I only have like 20 subscribers. So please if you're listening to this, go subscribe right now. Run it up. I need to get monetized. So I repre- really appreciate that. You can type in Chanel creating or now this is a sketch. You might or you can find me from linking in the show notes. But um anyway, yeah if 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 it blows up I don't actually see I don't see myself doing this show on a big network because I actually think between SNL and Black Lady Sketch Show, a lot of stuff is covered. And um, I'm, I can never say I'm not inspired by both of those shows. Like, I'm definitely inspired by both of those shows. SN, I grew up on SNL so and Mad TV. So you're not, you know, I'm not doing this to say, like, Sketch right now sucks and, you know, put my show on. This was an expression of self for me. I also think that if I did enough, if I continued to season two or did something else, it would, I would want it to look different because, oh, that's why I get into theme. I got, okay. Because when I look at all I wrote, I really did write it from a place of like, I'm trying, but also niggas really good on my nerves. Cause a lot of this stuff is like, um, there's one sketch in there where I like read letters um, and it's, it's, uh, it's inspired by ask Ashley from all that. And Almost everything in the letters that I'm making up are like based in real life and shit that women go through. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's like born out of frustration, but also trying to find the humor and like find the twist. So, um, yeah, I don't even think season, I, I don't have any particular plans for season two because I think that if somebody was that interested, that'd be amazing. But shit, I could use a job as a writer in general. Who I really want to write for is Vince Staples has a show coming out. I'm sure that shit's already staffed. I'm good for season two. I could be a writer's assistant. Like, I would love to, to switch into, um, the other thing that's really tough about writing is even if I write sci-fi here and fantasy here and whatever here, they really want you to, be a certain type of writer to break into TV writing. So I just said, all right, like comedy is where I'm at. Honestly, let me just go for that. But I would love to experience all different types of like TV writing and everything else. This doesn't have to, I'm open to it. This doesn't have to be a whole show. However, a smaller network, like a FUBU network or a Zeus, which I actually don't think are (laughs) the perfect fit because they do tend to market 
certain things. Um, but like, I would love to be on like a black owned smaller network, a black TV or it's black and sexy or quality TV. What like is I, Zeus? I've been I, I, know I know what Zeus is, but is it, it's just, this is black shows, right? Zeus. There's a, there's honestly, if you look at the entire catalog, there's definitely a mix, but what they, where I think their bread and butter is, is these like spinoff reality shows that I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, Jeff, they're good. I would not, I'm not going to lie to you. If you like mess, they're good. Cause they have like, um, bad boys LA, which was like supposed to be marketed off a of bad girls club, but it was a bunch of men and there yeah. was a couple straight men in the house and it was hilarious. And yeah, I heard about it. yeah, they have those kind of shows. And then if you look at the catalog, they'll have like, non-mess like regular shows that nobody's watching so that's what i mean by like i don't know if it's a great fit because i don't want to get bumped next to um (laughs) side you know side side girlfriends of louisiana or whatever but um it's worth the 5.99 if you want to go in there and just oh jocelyn's cabaret is there if you never watch jocelyn's cabaret you need at least a season just for your spirit to have that grounded in there it's hilarious i've seen so many clips now I, i just feel like i'm good (laughs) <laughs> off Twitter, I'm like, I I'm like, know, good. I'm but good. But, it's so funny, Jeff. So um, look, yeah. So let me I'm ask open. you this about your writing, though. When you're writing, do you ever write from a hurt place? Like maybe, like you know, I I, I, I have some hurt, but I'm going to take this hurt and I'm going to make people laugh. Yeah, I wish I wrote more when I was hurt. Um, I actually probably should just sit down and like free write or journal more in emotion. What because of the way that like almost because a because a premise mm-hmm. is different. Um, hold on one second, Jeff. Okay, so I got background noise. A premise is much different than a written sketch because there's plenty of times when I've started with an idea or like you even have a block of writing and then you lose it. You lose momentum. You don't got nothing else no more. So um, all of my sketches are actually like they started from an idea and then they grew from there. I don't I don't know that I would have enough steam just from being hurt. But I think if I'm writing, if I'm trying to write like scripts or write like a writing sample, I think I'll put more personal stuff in there. But like the I still have the note cards over here somewhere. Like the premises are all like they start from like. Let's see. Uh, give me, Jeff, give me five seconds. If they're right here, I'm going to go grab them. Is that okay? Okay. Get some dead air. One second. We will call this the intermission break. As she's getting her notes. I hope y'all are enjoying this episode so far. We got a lot more to talk about. I know. There's absolute absolute should be no dead air. So I'm just gonna ramble. While we wait for her to get her notes. I'm back, I'm back, I'm back. And she's back. <laughs> okay, sorry, it was worth it because I was like, I'm, I'm glad to see this again. Um, so to answer your question, no, I don't. Okay. But I don't think comedy comes to, like, the emotion, yeah, but I don't even know what would be funny coming from a place of hurt. Like, even if it seems like I'm 
critiquing someone in a sketch, I'm looking for the joke. You know what I mean? Like I'm not trying to like shoehorn in too much justice at the same time. Like I'm, I'm trying to make fun of it more than anything else, which is a healing. But the reason why I went to get the cards is to give you an example of like. Well, let me ask you. Like, I want to tell you why I asked that. I asked that because I just recently um, saw an interview with Tyler Perry. and He was talking about, mm-hmm. well, you know, all the men in my life grew when I grew up were A, B, C, and D. And then I'm like, wait a minute. So that's why, you know, I always thought he wrote from a place of hurt or fear or what he saw. So he puts in his movie, he paint, he paints black men sometimes in a certain mm-hmm. way. If you black know, women too, shoot. His mom was yeah. on drugs, I think, and that's why his wife in all those shows is absent. Yeah. So when I watch his movies, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, he's he's writing, he wrote that from a place of whatever so i just wonder sometimes when i you know talk to different people who write you know do, do you write from a place of hurt or do you write from you know because i know everybody's different you know some people probably can't pull yeah. something and you know get something out of it yeah i also think if you're writing like if you're writing for a show or something regular on assignment you're going to oh you just remind me about something i need to write anyway <laughs> um you're going to write from a place of like whatever you have to pull whatever you need you know, um, for me, I didn't have any deadlines, so I can like I just really stuck to stuff that like I could finish. But for him, he's interesting, and I think it actually pulls back our previous conversation about like genres and like black shows and movies. Like people have so much valid critique of him because his stuff is very one element. But then at the same time, he has such a loyal fan base that you think, well, somebody's being serviced by these same jokes over and over again. Like, maybe he doesn't need to evolve. And then he did do that with some of his other shows. But um, he's like a writer who, who he don't want nobody in his writer's room. He wants to just write it himself, be done oh, with it. And that's, yeah. yeah, like, that's not, and I think it reflects in his writing. However, billionaire, you know? Billionaire helping other creators, pulling other people up. So it's like, there's this, um, yeah, there's this real, like, challenge i think with wanting to service like audiences like some i was listening to a podcast like with a comedian it was like a round, a round table of comedians recently and one of the the host was saying how when he headlines he doesn't he doesn't want people who are going to come in and tell like generic black jokes like that really irritates him but the comeback from one of the other comedians was but that's what the audiences want like people want kevin hart to just come out and make noises like that's what they want they don't necessarily want the like the longer um like if you look even like Chappelle his audience is not all black so I think there's this like so for me it would be less writing from pain and more like am I writing into my stereotypes or not like am I writing what I think a black audience would want am I writing what I think a person with my similar taste would want and that is I think tough because sometimes you want to revert back to what you know is going to work um so that I think is more is a dilemma for like emerging um black writers who want to who don't want to like get mixed in? Because I also like my audience is not white women. I'm not. I there's no way I could ever write for them or with like. It's just not for them. Um, you know. So I I don't know. I don't know how to balance it. Sometimes. Is the balance hard sometimes, or is it just you just write and it's just whatever happens happens. Well, it's inter- it, it, whatever does ha- whatever happens does happen. Um, I'm not saying that like. I guess it's like when you're writing and you want to fix a joke, you want to add something to it. You do ask yourself, like, uh, like I had somebody, 
I'm in a I'm in a play right now and one of the other actors, he's an older Mexican man. Like, you know, just not my demographic necessarily. Right. But he watched it preview for me, which I appreciate it. And one of the jokes he one of the sketches, he understood the premise, but didn't get none of the R and B references. And that's fine, because he understood the premise. But while he's watch, I'm listening to him watch it, and I'm like, wow, like, he literally has no idea who NBA Youngboy is. He has no idea who Summer Walker is. Like, these jokes won't land, but if the acting is good enough and the writing is clear enough, he can at least follow along. Mm -hmm. So that's what I mean by, like, I'm not going to compromise a reference to bring up something I know is, like, not within my culture. But... You know, I will say that, like, when I was doing Baby Baby Babe and all these other shows, my audience was mixed. You know, it wasn't like it. So so it is whatever happens. But I do sometimes try to I think I try to write for me because I know that there is a demographic of women like me, just like with my characteristics. Um, And that's who I kind of write for. But I don't know how strong our demographic truly is right now. Like, it just it just happens to be where I'm at. Um, I wanted to also share before you ask your next question, the reason I went to go get these premises is so you could get an idea of what I mean by like, I don't even know how you could write these from a certain place because they just are, are what they are. Like one that I never wrote says the best time for absent fathers to come back is learning how to drive because they won't yell like moms do. And I'm like, that's just an idea that I would have. And then I'd be like, okay, like what does that sketch look like? Is it, the, is it like, Go ahead. I, I I can kind of see it in my head because I'm like that's so true. Because like exactly because he's gonna be chill. He's gonna be patient with you. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's, he's not gonna tell your mom if you almost crashed. She's gonna drop the keys. Like that's the best time. And and it's like that's just a random idea that may not that probably isn't even true. But how would I build that out? Like would I build that from a place of a father is missing, 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 and he shows up with the car keys, or would I build that from it's about driving and then the dad shows up? Like, you know, that's when you get an option. And then again, that doesn't have anything to do with me. Like where yeah. it might have to do with me is if I'm writing in some things that have happened or like changing the dialogue. But, you know, with comedy, I think it gives you more space to, like with straight up comedy, like trying to get in, get out, get the laugh, it gives you that space to just make the joke. And yeah. then however you want to pad it, cool. Um, but it's not really about like, you know, if I if I was writing this also in the middle of a breakup, I'm sure all of my character, my male characters look like one person, you know. But if you can write in and in, when you're not in that space, when it's just open grass, like, like I said, I do look at it and I'm like, OK, I had I clearly had something to say that I did say in season one. And I wouldn't want to have that to say in season two. I would hope to have a whole different perspective if we went if we went on, you know. So let me ask you something about comedy. Now, do you fall on the side of, uh, let's say, uh, Chappelle, where it's like, no, this is comedy. Like, y'all, you're going too hard. You're taking it too serious. Laugh. Like, everything is not so serious. Or are you more of the other side where it's like, well, you got to make sure you don't hurt this side and you got to make sure you don't say this or that. Which side of the, you know, what side do you fall on with it? Are you just in between? Great question. I fall on the second one. And the reason why is I think is because so I also think it has to do with training, right? So a straight a straight stand-up like Chappelle who came up doing stand-up and nothing else, like kind of acting but really doing stand-up. I think like that's a very macho space. And there's a lot of like um and it also is very has been very white dominated for a long time, you know? So mm-hmm. it's like the politics of the white man 
like especially unchecked for years and years was what dominated the space. So whatever, unless you wanted to only play the black the black clubs, you had to figure out how to hang. Like the, you had to be able to hang with the white dudes. Like literally drink a beer, smoke a cigarette, whatever. So I think that those politics really were dominant. Um, and that's my understanding of like studying comedy uh, as a like somebody who wants to do comedy and studying it academically. Um, Cause I remember, like, I wrote a paper about the difference between black comedians and black and comedians who are black. So I've thought about this mm-hmm. on the, but because I started with improv, improv has rules. Improv has like, um, or like community standards as well. So when you start an improv classes, they tell you don't punch down, like don't make a joke about another group because you're going for a cheap laugh. And they also like, there's a feedback system to be able to tell people like, oh, that actually hurt my feelings in a way um so i i learned early when doing comedy like not to keep making that like insensitive joke because you might get a laugh but it's not a good one and it's not one that like actually shows your perspective either so i don't i try to always punch up with comedy um and the other thing i think is that you can make fun of anything you went through of course you can make fun of anybody related to something that happened to you but if you're making if you want to make comments about a community that you literally you might know one person in that community or you might have like you might just have formed an opinion on a Saturday while you were high. That's not the same thing, because there are still communities that like I don't consider to be safe, um, like in terms of they're still getting killed in the streets and nobody cares. Like if that's still happening to a certain community, it they're not we're not ready for like jokes about them and they need to stop being sensitive right so it's like um can you imagine a comedian making jokes while lynching was still legal well i guess it's still legal but you know what i mean like while it was so pervasive a white comedian making jokes about lynching is not gonna and then telling us to be sensitive like not to be sensitive is it's it's very much the same thing to me um so i think that's kind of a, a benefit of having come from a space where i didn't have to like develop the thickest skin because I'm not a straight up like stand up even though I do stand up still Mm. um and I also think it's like it makes no sense to have to joke about people that like aren't bothering you you know like I would joke about men white men white people white women all the time because the interactions are you know I can pull up the receipts I don't know that 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 trans people have bothered that many (laughs) really rich black comedians for them to need to give them a talking to or for them to tell them how they should feel about taking a right. joke, you know? Right. That's my opinion. Okay. I always wondered that and I'm, I mean, I'm talking to a person who was a writer and a comedian. So it's more like, I want to know your perspective on that. Cause I think, I think it's, I, I, I personally can see both sides, but where I lean at is, Hey, sometimes you gotta, you gotta change it up, right? Times change and things are a little bit yeah. different. So it's, it's nothing wrong with that. You know, by changing up because you clearly Chappelle is a funny guy right and he's it, one of my he he has written some of the best specials ever like I still right. laugh at some of his jokes or say his one-liners for sure I just feel that you know he doubled down and he didn't have to double down but I got what he was trying to say but you just got to realize some people are just not going to see it your way and that's okay if they don't see it your way you know you just got to be like you know, what? know this nigga literally moved to another country co- continent because white people ran him out of town. Do three specials about that. Yeah. Talk about the people who actually did something and bother you and like double down on that. That's kind of where I'm like, why do you want to teach us not to be sensitive? And, and the black community supported you for so long on your own sensitivities. Yeah. I think it's just the conversation that 
me like it's it's a more of a conversation they need to have and it was more of a public thing like no i'm going to say this because i can say it and then it was back but no you're not going to say that to us because we're standing up to you you know what i mean it was just like a back and forth yeah. it didn't really solve anything because you know, I mean, it doesn't and it doesn't go along with a big donation to trans awareness or a big donation right. to trans uh you know organization or a trans opener it like i think that again there's ways to do it like i can talk so i'm blue in the face I still have white homegirls. Like, I'm going to make the jokes about them, and I'm still going to support um, them. If, if I'm cool, they're cool. You know, like, it can you can kind of go hand in hand with it. I think that he just, like, it's ego. You know, if it, it and it's ego, and it's trying to tell a community to be ready for something before they are, and then not listening to them when they tell you why they aren't, right? So it's like, I think that women in general are ready for jokes about reproductive health even while we fight about it, because we fought to get to this place where we can even talk about it so publicly. Like, that's not where every community is. Yeah. And then also, you know, when people make these jokes, like, for example, Bill Burr, another great, not always in the right place, but he's married to a dark-skinned Black woman that, that gives him points, I'm not going to lie. That's, how, that's just how the game is. Uh, like, Yeah, I'm not going to disagree I'm, with you. When I'm, put, when I'm, put, I'm just saying, when I'm putting points on the board, he makes a joke, but he never said nigger. He stays in his spot. Marriage to a black woman, he goes up more. He says some some I'm not political, he goes down more. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it, it's a board game. But um I say that to and that's me joking, but I say that because he made a joke about how um how sure abortion isn't killing a baby, but it kinda is because if you put a cake in the oven and then somebody comes and throws the batter against the wall, takes the cake out the oven and stops it, you're like, Oh my god, you ruined my cake and the person's like, It wasn't cake yet, it was still battered. And people, I would comment it like, the person, who, it, it, they're not wrong. It, it technically was still better. It was not yet cake. And when I tell you, people started, like, responding to me as if I had, like, killed a baby. You know, like, it's that kind of thing, right? right. Um, where he's making the joke, but he's pulling in people who feel, who want to interpret his joke a certain way and feel empowered by his joke. Even though having been a fan of Bill Burr and, like, listened to specials and bought them and listened to them and on repeat for years... He don't really care, one. And he also is pro-choice, too. Like, that's definitely his... I, I, I can tell you that for sure. So with all that said, these people who are not necessarily in the same place feel empowered and want to say things to me. Like, somebody was like, how many babies have you killed? That's that's how they're, what they're saying to me on Instagram. First of all, not your business. Second of all, not your business. Third of all, I haven't. <laughs> you know, I just believe in, in, in these rights. And so it starts very real dialogues mm-hmm. from... A joke, and that's what I think is missing. When you have that platform, you're creating dialogue, and you're bringing out people who don't get that you're joking, who don't get where your heart really is, and just want to hear somebody on this platform say something because newscasters won't speak on it. You know? Yeah. That's that's or politicians either. So yeah, that's that's why I have a pretty liberal, very progressive take on it. I mean, I do have friends who are trans, and they don't spend any time talking about their struggle, like they're living their life. Well, to me, because I'm cis, and I, you know, it's, I'm not the person to like. I can listen, but I, I don't think they really want <laughs> to vent to me like they have other spaces. So all I can do is be supportive and be ready, waiting in the wings if they ever, if I ever need to. But because of that exposure, I've done a little bit of research, and the little bit of research lets you know that they just need support and they need a, they need space. Same thing yeah. for gay kids, all that other stuff. Like they just need the straights and the cis people to make space for them because they're not going to be able to make uh, to make space for them in communities that don't want don't want them they need us to stand up for them and make it easier for them 
before they get involved, you know, so that they can feel comfortable. Same thing as the white people having to get the racist friend, get their racist friends together before they bring their black friend to the party. It's the same exact thing, you know. Like I say, I just think it's a thing of everybody wanted to be the loudest voice. Nobody wanted to hear what each other was saying. And then, you know, it got polluted with you was either on one side or the other. So it's great to have you answer that question. I think if I can ask, ask you one more thing, I will ask you this. Yeah. You, you dealing, you dabble. Well, I don't want to say you dabble. You do podcasting. You're heavily into podcasting. And now you're doing the, now this is a sketch. Do you think it would be a time where you have to choose and say, hey, it's either this or that? Or you feel like, hey, I can do both as long as the, you know, as long as I, you know. Can. Well, Jeff, I, I admitted earlier that I'm kind of stalled out. So the truth is, I can't say that one is getting in the way of the other because I'm not right. doing enough of either, you know. Yeah. But um, with that said, I actually, um, I've had, like, I, I do want to be, to have a regular podcast because what I've done is episodic stuff, like stuff based around a show. You do a season, you decide not to come back for the next season because I kind of kept doing Flavor Love. And I didn't want to, so I didn't. Um, and then I'm doing House of Dragons with uh, House of the Dragon with Brandon. That's cool. I literally want to stop after this next last episode. I don't want to do new characters, but whatever. So it's like, that's another example. So um, I will share with you that I've like for a while thought about like what, con- what uh, not concepts, um, segments I would have on my own show. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be more of like a just, you know, talk like current events, talking, talking shit, having guests on. Um, and I think there would be like some check-ins on certain things. Like I, and I said this in, on our, our, on We Was Dragons and I seriously mean it. If I have my own podcast, we will do, um, a check-in on whatever's going on with Ray J re- very regularly. <laughs> I need to, we need a Ray J watch because he always has something uh, hilarious going on in his life. I saw we that damn tweet. That. I just like, no, I'm not even going to entertain her tweet right now. Yeah. He, no, he's my fa- one of my favorite human beings. I don't even know if he's a good human being. He's just one of my favorite people because he's so funny without meaning it. He does not know why he's so funny. And that's what makes him funnier because he just keeps being himself. Um, there'll be a Ray J watch. I think there would like, there'd definitely be a Bravo reality TV check-in because that's really mostly what I watch in terms of reality. Um, and there'd be like, uh, I really love the idea of what you're doing here. Like this, check- I, I did like a YouTube show early in quarantine, not YouTube. It was a Twitch show mm-hmm. that some of them are on my YouTubes called running your mouth. This is when I was going by black Chanel, which was a name that a stand up named big J Okerson gave me, but I re, re, rebranded to Chanel creating. So I was doing this running your mouth show, which is call in show, talk about whatever was going on. So I have the chops to do like talk show type stuff. It's just a commitment. Like what you guys do is serious. Like you have, like that means if y'all recording Wednesday at seven, you can't decide to just go to sleep. <laughs> you can't decide to go do something like y'all got to stick to your schedule to build consistency. And that's what, um, that's where I think I need to go next. I think I need to start putting con- like, especially with YouTube. So it's funny you, ask me that because really I want your feedback on I've really been thinking like if I want to premiere my show on YouTube and I want the followers I want the subscribers I think I need to start now putting content out and so I'm inspired by all kind of stuff but I really think people want short and sweet so I've been thinking about doing like live chats or videos like just like kind of trying out that concept of the podcast I just said, but like on YouTube now, um, or maybe I should just do a podcast. So I was, what do you think? Would um, okay, this is what I'm gonna tell you. We 
where just Jeff versus the world alone has garnered a fan base. So me and Shahid was talking, I think, last week on where it'll be out sometime. I don't know when the episode will be out. But we talked, and we were just like, um, hey, eventually we should go on Twitch or YouTube, right? And I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure yeah. I'm going to have all the equipment where I'll be able to do that. So I'm like, yeah, I think I need to take advantage. So I would just say maybe build your base up with the uh, podcast and then say, you know, six months. Okay, then I'm going to take it to YouTube or whatever. Or you could do it the YouTube way too. Like it may work that way too. I just know we feel at a good point, a good place right now where we feel like, yeah, now we can let folks see our face. You know, mm-hmm. and, and 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 do stuff with it because there's a lot of stuff you can do, and I didn't realize you can really do all this stuff on Twitch until my man Cam told me, like, no, nah, yeah. you need to take advantage of uh, you, Twitch. You need a whole producer for Twitch. That's a that's a game right there, like where you gotta have somebody helping with chat and all that. Um, I definitely encourage y'all to do it with your and have your following follow you over, especially somewhere like YouTube where. You know, you just cross the threshold, you get monetized. And yeah. that, it, well, I mean, I guess podcasting is the same, but as you know, the podcast ads are really hard to acquire. And, you know, all, like this, that's his, that's his own uphill battle. It's, like, there's these, go ahead. It's super interesting with that because the whole, when we got with Manscaped, we didn't do nothing. Somebody contacted, came to the Jefferson Dora email and was like, hey, are you guys interested? Let me see how, what are your numbers looking like? I'm like, uh, okay. But I'm still, we, I, to this day, I'm still trying to figure out how did that all work out that way? Like, but, so it's super interesting, interesting when it comes to like, I don't know how you get traction and stuff with a podcast. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm at a point there mm-hmm. where I just don't care. I like at this yeah. point, I just, I just lost interest of like putting so much focus on that when I rather just be like, I'm having fun and whatever come with it comes with it. As long as I'm enjoying it, that's all that matters. That's true. I mean, cause I will say that production value puts a stress, a stressor on it. So I have like, I think I feel like I have two, a dual answer. Like for one, definitely the more you do, the more likely you can get tired yeah. of doing it. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, y'all are already doing so much. If you're already recording at the same day, same day, same time each week, you're already putting that time together. You're already sitting at the computer. Like if a little bit more setup could get you to a place of YouTube and a place of like crossing platforms, I definitely think it's worth it for y'all. And that's kind of where I'm like, okay, I want to start a, a straight up podcast, but I also, I think whatever I do, I will end up doing, figuring out a way to just like, I think I'll just pull the audio from YouTube. And the reason why is because like, why not? You know, like, why not? Why not split it across? Because if you don't record your video, you'll never have the option. But if you record the video, you can always just go podcast if y'all change your mind. Mm-hmm. Or I guess you guys want to stream live, so it might be different. But um, yeah, like I know when I did my, so Dovecraft Country, the recap for Lovecraft that me and my friend did, we did video. And that was a lot of fun. because so we just put on a different, like different hairstyle or different outfit or different wig each episode. But where it wasn't fun, Jeff was editing. Oh my God. There was one episode where her, um, 
her hair kept scratching up against her Bluetooth. And I kept hearing it. She kept saying I was crazy. She didn't hear it. And then the, fixing that episode, I wanted to die. So <laughs> um, that's kind of like can be annoying because you have different elements. But I definitely think that like for y'all, you should definitely level up because it's time. And for me, I don't feel like I have the time. I feel like I need to get as many followers as I can sooner so I can get this show going. Because um, I definitely did not do all of this to to wait two years either to put it out. Like it's, I want I want it to happen this year. Um, so thank you for that feedback. Cause I, and, and so with that said, all I'm doing right now with the show is editing. Like, like that's it. So, um, I would either use my editor I use for baby babe to, um, who also, I talked to her on a bonus episode. That's on my Patreon. She, she edits for reality TV. So she's very cool. Um, I would either use her to do my podcast and just be editing my show. Cause it costs less or, I would just end up editing more often doing it all. But I, I just I, I just realized I'm leaving content on the table simply because I haven't incorporated well regular podcasting into my schedule. Like that that's really what it is. Cause I have shit to say. I just haven't been sitting down to record it. The funny thing about that is like I I'm pretty sure Hood Classic will be fine, but I don't think everybody realizes how uh successful bad meaning bad is and yeah I had, fun. I had a feeling it was gonna be this way after the blown away after the first episode me you and jay and i was just like okay numbers are fine that's good and then he just kept going up and up i'm like all right this is a wild movie and i, I forgot you have a predominantly white movie right Corey hayne Corey feldman no this is not black people checking this is a lot of white people they're like oh y'all did that movie Oh, let me listen to this. And it's just, it, yeah. I guess it took off from there. And this is a thing of everybody hears somebody different every month. And I got, I still got to put your episode out just that my laptop is damaged. But oh, it's it's going to be yeah. out. We but recorded it, it very last minute. So yeah. I so, but I, I like, I really want to get some traction with that. I'm like, I, we can get some ads and people who want to, yeah, we'll pay you to, you pay y'all to. Talk about A, B, C, and D. I'm like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. Randy, because I feel like with Hood Classics, that's a nice A and B, right? That's, those are the two Definitely. things that I think are really, you know, really good at. And I think it's just good episodes. I think each month is just a good episode. Even if the movie's yeah. not good, it's always a good interaction yeah, with good the guests. For sure. Yeah, we yeah. find a way. Uh, yeah, I think that, you know, there. It, what comes to mind is that concept of like get your loyal followers and that's really all you need. You know, like you don't need uh like 10,000 people to listen to your No, cuz I'm you not You need 10,000 people to listen once. You need your 1,000 people to listen to everything you do. You know what I'm saying? And right. I know that's a lot anyway, but that's kind of the idea. So if we can get a regular fan base in whatever you're doing, um it'll be helpful. Cuz like I was telling um Jay, you know, I interviewed Jay last month and I was telling him the funny thing about that is me, you, him um Rashani, Brandon, uh, Rich, Shahid, we are like the backbone of podcasting, right? I know you got your Joe Buttons. I know you got all these, you know, because it's a money thing. Damn, and, you know, people with money have saw that, oh, y'all like podcasting? Well, let's get Joe Buttons to do this. Oh, let's get Joe Rogan to do this, right? But us. We are like the workers. We keep the machine going, right? Because everybody don't check for Joe Buttons. But somebody might check from, they might check for uh, Lisa downtown who do a podcast with her girlfriend. Yeah. And like, 
like we're really the backbone of podcasts. And I just feel like, yeah, w- with time, if you keep doing more stuff, if you just you know do it, enjoy it, figure your lane out, everything will work out like it's supposed to. That's just the way I feel about it. I, I think the backbone is a great way to think about it. Like we're like the second or the late shift, and if you want to put it like that, yeah, um, we the third shift. It's fine. Yeah, and and there's just consistency in it. Like the the brand of J, JBP is really interesting because I used to be a fan until it was like, oh, reminder, he was abusive. I was like, oh shit, I gotta go. Like it was just like, yeah, this, you're right. Like I'm I'm help I'm helping to do that thing where. A man who hasn't really said he's sorry for what he did is just going about his life. And it's like, you know, as I really can start to see like the fate, like my childhood is one big phase. Right. But then as an adult, it's starting to get broken up into things because there's like there's things I would interpret one way when I was 21 that I would interpret differently at 31 because of the things that happen in between, you know, one or the other or like. Right. We were talking about um, even the last episode of House of Dragons when there is a scene that well, second to last, there was a scene that was like it's very like was very much based in like um, it was like a sexual assault, but it was like the person being assaulted didn't really care. So it was like you could decide how much you were offended by it. And I was really offended. And Brandon was like that. They do incest all the time. I was like, I know, but I'm at a place now where it feels different. Like I interpret it differently. I, I'm more sensitive to it, whatever. So that's kind of how I try to be like being mature and what I choose. And the reason why I tell people why I'm like, I seem like a social justice warrior is because I know how many creators are creating. I know how many people are, their algorithms just aren't algorithming. And they're, you know, like you saw, you can't even find my shit. Right. And it's like, how is that happening? It's happening because we like to find a favorite, push them up. And then we feel like we're tearing them down when they get held accountable instead of saying, you know what, for every Joe Budden, there's 10 rappers who rap similar stuff, but didn't, you know, hit nobody. So why, why not give, create more space mentally? Hollywood does the same thing. Like instead of giving Chris Pratt a role, just go find another white guy. Like there's so many, (laughs) you know, and it's like, why, like we are part of that problem by continuing to like get so attached to a brand that we don't recognize that maybe the time when they're, cooling off is when we can elevate other people. Um, so that's how I feel about pot. That's, that's one of the frustrations I think with anything is you do it and you want people to see it. And if people don't, it can discourage you a lot and you have to fight past it, especially as black creators. Cause we see how there's inequity in everything that, you know, like you, you can be the most popular, most best and you might not still be the most yeah. paid. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I've seen, I've seen how, the community as far as black podcasters, especially the ones in like the movie world, wrestling, sports, whatever. I've seen how they operate. And when they get to a certain point, it's like, you know, they turn Republican, like, get away from me. Like, I'm doing my thing. (laughs) Get away from me. You you know, I'm on. You figure it out. And it's like, oh, okay, Mm -hmm. that's the way it works. And I never want to get to a point where I can't lift a hand and say, hey, come with us. Or, hey, this is what I did. Or help somebody out. Because I Mm -hmm. just don't see how that benefits, you know, the generation behind us, right? Because they they got it easy because they can get on YouTube or SoundCloud and kind of do something and then get popping, right? But mm-hmm. it's a thing of, well, what happens to that person that doesn't, that's really good, but just doesn't, you know, get, get, get the ears or get the views or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Like I told uh, Jay, Jay's probably one of the dopest movie reviewers because a lot of times he's doing it by himself. 
And yeah. for him to remember and keep you engaged, I said, no, you're really good at this. And this ain't me because I'm your friend. This is me talking as mm-hmm. I admire what you're doing because I know how tough it is to do a, you know, one man podcast It's rough and it could be taxing. And he's just like, nah, you know, I just do it. And I'm like, nah, you're really good at it. He, he's really yeah. humble about it, but I feel like more people should hear him. So anytime he does something, I'm like, I'm going to spread it. I'll spread it out. Like anybody. Cause Number one reason bad meaning bad starts because I thought everybody was dope. And I wanted yeah. us to get some one space. If more people did that, I think a lot of people will come up more too. Yeah, and cause like how many how many times are you looking at a list of podcasts you subscribe to and you don't even want to listen to all like you're skipping past new episodes to listen to something familiar to you? Like there's space for everyone because Every show will have its moment, you know, like there's enough to you can subscribe to everything and listen to us at separate times. So the more like I said in the beginning, it's special to share that space. And by the way, like we was dragons is because me, me and Brandon did enough shows with y'all on Bad Mini Bad, Bad Mini Good, where I was like, he gets he gets what I'm saying. Brandon would be the only one. Brandon's the only one who understood how I felt about Problem Child. Oh, boy. <laughs> and we we, and under, we have yes. we need to get to a Problem Child, too, eventually, too. Exactly, but, but like, and I don't know how I'm gonna feel about that one's different. But we we was on the same page about Junior. I was like, he gets it. Oh so having somebody agree with me about Junior, I was like, I could do a podcast with this man because we we disagree on House of the Dragon, but I know ultimately he gets it. <laughs> he gets he gets my perspective, and and he also you know that we don't talk enough either about like the production end of it. Like sometimes it's smooth. Sometimes one person's doing more work than the other, whatever, especially when you're sharing a show or when somebody's the name of the show. And so you got to be able to not just have, you know, recording chemistry, like you got to be chill about whatever else is going on in the background. And if money does come to play, you got to be working with people who you feel good about having those conversations with. Like, I know I've talked to um, Brandon before we we podcast, just talking about like where I'm at trying to figure out my career and having like real friend conversations and then talking about like this fantasy stuff, but that matters. So um, yeah, yeah, like it's, it's, it's like a glorified hobby, I think, but it's very fun. Um, I'll never not be a podcaster. I just may or may not have like an ongoing show that, um, but let me tell you something. It's a lot of mid shows out there with followers. So I really feel like. Oh, I didn't want to say it, but hey, I mean, it is. <laughs> I'm leaving money. And I don't even mean just black. I mean, like when I look at all the stuff I listen to or see, it's like, it's all these women with these true crime podcasts. It's all these like um, people just talking about like movies pack, like everything's out there. So you might as well put yourself on the table and um, share with others what you like and be supportive. Right. So what I'm going to do now is. We're going to end this episode, but I want to ask you to come back in December and we're going to continue with part two. Three months. Wow. That'd yes. be great. That'd be a good check-in opportunity. Yes, because I got to do a part two with Jay because like I said, just so much, especially, to, yeah. Yeah, especially with you guys that I want to get to that I feel like, you know, I'm going to have to do part twos. So before yeah. we get out of here, you can give all everything you got going, your information, your Twitters, Whatever you want to tell people about, you can tell them now and get it out of there. Okay. I, okay, yeah. Before And leading up to that, I pulled out, you know, I put out those premise note cards before and read one of them to you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to share four more quick ones with you that I came up with. I didn't write these yet, but okay. this is like what I mean about season two being different or like these are just ideas. Um, one is zombies on a plane. Now, maybe that's a movie. <laughs> maybe that's a sketch. I don't know, but like 
come on, Snakes on a Plane gave us the, the format. Um, another one is, this is definitely a sketch, the excuse hotline, but it's really like a commercial for cheaters, like giving them, like they call in to get an idea of like, um, like, like a great excuse to get to a girlfriend so she won't poke holes in it. Uh, That's just a dumb idea. Okay. But it's like, I see the, I see the guy with the suit, cause I have an infomercial in my sketch already, but like I see a guy with the suit being like, you know, oh, what time did you come in? What do you smell like? All right, we got you. You know, like something like that. That's just an idea. Uh, another one, this is a, this might be more of a, um, stand up premise if I can figure out, like I just gotta have multiple ways to take it, but this is just a high thought, like how much art is wasted in airports? Like, they be having mad exhibits <laughs> that are so cool. And I'm like, nobody's looking at this ancient Chinese artifact that y'all flew in here because I got to make my flight. Or, like, I remember being in the Tennessee airport and they had, like, all this Justin Timberlake stuff. And I'm like, who is take who is here early enough to read about, <laughs> like, the history of music in Memphis? So that's just an idea that, like, I might never use it and it might come in handy when I'm writing something else. And then the last one I wanted to share is... um the idea, oh, and I can see it, I swear to God, I see it right now. So imagine like a British court, how they have the wigs and the robes and so formal, but it's a tribunal of kids judging parents and they're, um, they're like uh, judging them based on past whoopings and whether or not the parent committed like war crimes, basically like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the funniest idea. Like just think about like five kids in, in like barrister wigs being like, hmm, I didn't even like I didn't even do that and you whooped me and the parent trying to plead their case. I just I don't know why that's so funny to me. So like those are like this that's how wide my ideas were, you know. So I was like, right. man, like where do I go with it? And so that is good because you have all these options and it's so challenging because you're like, wait, like what actually is this show about? You know, so anyway, to answer the question, the now now this is a sketch. Um, is a show written by me, directed by me, and from the perspective of a Black woman. And um, the point, I think, of season one, at the very least, is that, like, I feel like in all these issues, you know, like the Twitter conversations about how much a date should cost, how people should treat each other, like these different cultural conversations, I feel like I do see both sides, but I also feel like I know when I'm looking at some bullshit. Like, when I know when somebody's just talking, talking shit and it doesn't make sense. And that's where the show is written from, like, from like calling out absurdity in life and regular life of being a black woman. And I think that women can relate to it. I think that black men should see, like to, should do the test of seeing how much it affects them. Um, if they feel like it's per- take, take it personal or not. And then I think non-black people can still get the jokes or like music lovers, comedy lovers will be able to still have space in it. Um, so as you mentioned, I just, I'll, we'll make sure we put the link in the show notes. Cause I, posted a preview of the show this my family and friends have seen this people who donate to the show have already seen this but it's four completed sketches it's kind of put together um not really thematic it's just kind of what the four that came out but it's giving a taste of what the writing is like what the show can be like there's more so I will say for better for worse marketing wise I didn't put like my four favorite sketches up it's just like it's just four sketches so you might like it you might hate it all but there's still more to come see later so the very last thing I'll ask is just to hit subscribe on that YouTube thing because it really matters Absolutely. and obviously as you guys know 
Yeah, it don't you don't have to pay nothing. You don't have to subscribe. Just you don't have to subscribe in terms of money. Just subscribe as a follower and help me run the numbers up to honor the people who contributed to the show. Um, and you can find all of that information at chanelcreating.com, C-H-A-N-E-L. Again, it'll be in the show notes or on um, Twitter, same at, Instagram, same at, TikTok, same at. Like, I'm trying to be consistent across all the socials. Um, and that's, that's really, I'm trying to go slow to make sure I don't miss it. The podcasts are on there. My guest spots on Batman, Bat, I haven't updated them all for the last one, but my guest spots on Yes Show are on there. Um, anything I've done, I try to put on there so you can go back to old stuff. And then, yeah, I'm just, I'm trying to be more cohesive about my brand now. Oh, so I'll put this out there because as I said, synchronicity, things are happening. I think I'm ready to like, to get a manager, um, because I want to start doing stand up on the road or doing improv on the road or just doing comedy, like at colleges, stuff like that. I think I'm ready to like kind of advance my brand in that way. So who knows? My manager might be listening to you right now and go on the website and see it and be interested. So, um, yeah, that's all things, you know, creating. And I bared my soul in this episode. So hopefully people talk with it. And if they don't do me a favor, go to YouTube, go to one of my videos, type out that comment, leave it there. Just engage with my socials and tell me what you hated. Don't email me. That's not the best way to do it. Go right on that comment and run those algorithms up. Search for me. Find me. Hate on me in the comment section. That would be much appreciated. Oh, my. Uh, <laughs> yes, but we definitely will have you back in December. Uh, we're going to finish Thank this conversation. You, it's a lot more I want to get to, but I didn't want to extend the whole night doing it. Try to keep the yeah, show under. You got to go meet with Brandon anyway. We got to go talk some stuff about this last episode of House, House of Dragon. Oh, I've talked about that enough. I don't have to plug it, but that's the other show yes. to, to advertise. <laughs> you are the longest running The More You Know episode ever. So. Oh, that means I talked a lot. <laughs> Take pride in that. And I'm pretty sure we're going to do it again. We got a lot more to talk about. Y'all come back in December if you want to know more about Chanel, because there's a lot more I want to get to. And, uh, yeah, we're going to get out of here. So y'all stay safe. Uh, Bye. Peace. Recording stopped.